your stuff you think so amen appreciate that good word good music good singing it's been a while since he's he's done any of that i know is that what it was i thought the keyboard was out of tune i didn't know i thought it was i thought it was like a guitar is that what it was i can't say anything i i never learned how to play so I wouldn't know. Like I know where the, I could find the C key and tap on it. That's right. <laughs> I do know that much. <laughs> but amen. No matter what, what's going on in our life, he's the same. Yesterday, this, today, and forevermore, he's the same. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody, again. You can tell that it's summertime and people are on vacation, and that's a good thing. People need to get away. People need to have vacation time. And gets to get along with her family and spouse and all that. So so we know we've got several out this morning. You can look around. We've got a couple that's... Look, I know we've got one person dealing with a bad sunburn, and I hope she's watching because it was her first day at Point Mallard yesterday at the water park, and she got sunburned. So serves her right. So... And she does, yeah. And you think so? He's a little red-faced. I didn't know if his blood pressure was high or what. But uh, but no, it's good to the online watchers this morning. If they're watching YouTube, Facebook, Sermon.net, whatever, welcome them in. Glad that they're watching this morning. I know we've already got a couple on Facebook that was watching, so so we just thank them for that for sure. Um, there was a, another announcement this morning. It'll be in the bulletin next week. But on um, June 26th, this. Praise and worship group will be here out of a church in Athens called Freedom Church. And some of you probably know him as Bo Leaf from Faultful here. Um, their group's coming that day. And from what I understand, they may bring their whole church with them that, that day. So we'll 
So hopefully we'll have a full we'll have a full house. But uh, they're going to come and, and sing in our praise and worship time, from what I understand, and uh, share share God's how He's blessing them and what He's doing there. And, and so I've heard that they're really good, and so I hope everybody comes and we're blessed that day, Bob. Um, so that, like I said, that'll be Sunday, June 26th. And so I think that was the only other announcement this morning. So let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Should have had an offering envelope in your uh, bulletin this morning, but if something happened and you didn't, Kathleen's real good about that, so everybody should have. If you need one, let us know. We'll, we'll get you all one. Um, as we pray for our offering this morning, a tithes and offering time, we do want to uh, mention that, uh, hang, hang on a second, Joe. We've got to pray first, buddy. <laughs> Joe's new. I asked him to help this morning. He's gung-ho and ready. I'm glad. Let's go get it. There's no, I mean, we're not, it's not going to cancel out anybody's blessing because we didn't pray over it first, I promise. <laughs> Part of our tradition and routine, right? You know, we got, we got to do that. But no, um, Chaselyn, my son, my daughter-in-law, Peyton's wife, her aunt passed away yesterday and, and she had asked that we pray for her family this morning. Um, as we pray, and so we mentioned these others. I think I heard Jimbo was was at home, not not feeling good this morning, and things coming out that didn't need to come out. So, so he wasn't he wasn't doing good this morning. So we mentioned him. Um, anybody else got anything we need to pray about this morning? Before we go, all right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you. And we praise you and thank you for again for this time together, Father. Your word that's already come forth. And, and, Father, that the, the music and the praise that have come forth, and it's all about you, Jesus. That's why we're here. It's all about you. And, and, Father, we know that we come in your name, that you're going to bless. And, Father, we pray for each and everyone in here that you touch and bless them this morning. God, open ears and hearts to, to receive what you have this morning. And, Father, that, that change can be broken, lives can be changed. And, and, Father, people will know and understand that you're still God. You're still in control. You're still working in our lives and still want to. Now we pray for, for Chaselyn, for her family this morning, that you're with them during this time of loss. God, that you comfort them, that they look to you for that comfort. Not anything else, not anywhere else, but look to you in their time of need. And we just thank you for it, Father. We pray for Jim Bowie's at home sick. God, that you can touch him. God, heal him, touch him. Whatever's going on, that you're with him this morning. We thank you for it. God, as we bring our tithes and offerings this morning, that you touch and bless. And, and, and just, Father, you just take it and and it's a sweet-smelling offering to you. And we just love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come ahead. All right. Well, y'all can go to Children's Church. June and Elijah. Oh, and Brantley. I couldn't remember his name. He's a shadden. I can tell that. <laughs> he is definitely looks like his daddy. See that in him. But the uh, rest of you turn to First John chapter 2. We're going to continue our, uh, our study through the book of First John. 
And just a quick recap over the past few weeks. Um, this is our fourth week in it. But we were, we've learned that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all, right? None whatsoever. There can't be. Then, if we say we have no sin, we lie and, do not, and the truth is not in us. So if we say that we do not sin, then God's truth is not in us. His light is not in us. So we can't say that. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is forgiveness of our sins, right? There is that forgiveness. When we do sin, we can go to, our Father, to Jesus, the Advocate. He'll go to the Father. And then He's always in intercession for us. And so we can ask for forgiveness of those things. And we're forgiven of them. So we can say we know Him when? What did we learn last week? When we keep His commandments, right? And we keep His Word, we can say that we're in Him. And He's in us. So we're, we're right there in communication with Him and that intimate relationship with Him when we do these things. We also talked last week the love of God can be perfected in us. The only, it says when, when we love our brothers. When we love each other as Jesus did, then is the love of God perfected in us. No, not any time else. We can't just magically make it happen and hope we're good enough. It says when we do this, the love of God will be perfected in us. So I know that these next few verses, you know, we're going to talk about the, the young children, the young, he says little children, fathers and young, young people. So I'm, I'm reading this and I know there's, we could get deep into this discussion, but in my life, and I'm sure there's others here, and I know there's people watching this morning that just need encouragement in their life. Yeah. Anybody else, anybody else this week needs some encouragement in your life? I hope you didn't come here just thinking that we're going to talk about sin and we're bad and the love of God's not in us because I'm not loving each other as I should and I'm not doing this. I'm not here to browbeat anybody. And the Word of God's not trying to browbeat anybody. It's trying to show us the way to do and the way to live and the, how we should walk each and every day. But we also need a time of encouragement in our life because we're all going through things. There's not a one of us in here that can say that we're not going through anything in our life, that everything's perfect. I, I don't believe that. If, you, if there is, please, you come up here and share what you're doing so the rest of us can, can get on board with that. If there's nothing wrong in your life, then because we can, at times it feels like we can say that because everything just seems perfect. But tomorrow's a new day. And Satan ain't laying in wait, or laying back and going, well, their life's perfect. They got it figured out. I guess I'll leave them alone. He's not doing that. We, we know that. So, but I believe he spent these next few verses, John did, just to encourage each and everybody in the church, no matter whether you're a newborn believer or whether you have been a, a believer in God for years and years and years. I believe he spent these next few verses to remind us and encourage us where we are. And so we're going to read that this morning and, and learn, hopefully, from this that we can be encouraged through the Word of God each and every time we read it. It's not just if I read it, I feel guilty because of something I've done or I need to change this, which it is, but there's encouragement and love and light through everything that is written in this Word of God and we need to read it and understand it. And so... Because if, if we do not lift each other up, they're not going to do it out there. Media is not going to do it. Social media is not. Whoever, they're not going to lift the believers in Christ up. They're doing everything they can to shut us up and to keep us 
to where we can't get loud out there and everything else can be loud, right? So that's what they're doing. So we've got to edify each other in the body of Christ. Because if the world sees us as edifying each other and loving each other, and then like I said last week, when we learn to love each other in the body of Christ, then we can actually go show true love to the others that are not there. We can do that when we learn to love each other. And I heard of more division in the church this week. There's a church in Decatur, a big church. I didn't know anything about it. I go into work Monday and there's some couple ladies in the office that are talking about it. Well, I saw this, this, and this on Facebook. I saw this about it. Well, they're doing this. They're doing and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I hope that that's not going on. I said, because if it is, then it's just another black eye for the body of Christ. And so there's a guy at work that goes to church at that church. Goes, goes to church and attended there for years. So I just went and asked him. I was like, hey, what about this and this? He said, no, it ain't true. And he said, I don't know everything that's going on, but I know that stuff that they're talking is not true. And I said, well, good. And that's what I needed to know. I wasn't going to get caught up in the gossip and, you know, the yan-yans because I know at least one of these women don't attend church at all. She's just looking at what she can read here. And just because there's hundreds of posts about it, it's got to be true. But it, not all the time is. So in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, you don't have to turn to all these. We'll, we'll read through this. It says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Comfort each other and edify one another. That's what we've got to do in the body of Christ. We've got to build each other up. We cannot keep continually put each other down just no matter what name's on the door or what you're, you know, what you're doing and you know, just pointing fingers and saying you're not right, you're not right and just constantly doing this kind of stuff. Even though we need to point out things in people's life, there's a, there's a way we can do it in love to where the love of Jesus will be shown through us and not just shown as, as we're putting somebody else down or we're gossiping about somebody or doing that. So we've got to comfort each other and edify one another. So... We need these times of encouragement in our life. We need these things. And, and, in, and in verse 12 of chapter 2, and let me get my phone out here. I uh, left my new King James Bible at the house accidentally. So I got my old King James, but I just like how the new reads. So it says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. So, in verse 12, he says, little children. Little children, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we know that's not talking about the ones that went to children's church. It's, it's the new believers in Christ. It's those who have, have not known God long enough and have studied the Word long enough to understand everything that's going on. And so he's encouraging them because he says, he says, your sins are forgiven you. We all remember the time we accepted Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, right? We all remember that time. And we all remember how much that the next day, the next week, we felt as if we was not really forgiven for things we'd done in the past. We've, we all know that. We've all been there. And so everybody, no matter what stage you're in, still deal with that from time to time. 
that things in the past, well, maybe I wasn't forgiven of that. Maybe I need to ask forgiveness again. When we ask God to forgive us of our sins, He forgives us of everything, past, present, and future. But these future sins, we've still got to ask forgiveness for. He died for all those and forgives us, but it's not just a free pass. And, and so He said, you know, you're forgiven of those things. No matter what it is, you've asked me, and I've forgiven you. And you don't have to worry about those things no more. Even though Satan's going to haunt us, want to haunt us in our mind with those things each and every day to make us still believe that we're not really forgiven of those things. But they obviously were dealing with the same kind of things then. So we're still dealing with them now because Satan hadn't changed. And, and the Word of God hasn't changed. And so Satan hadn't changed. He's still doing the same things he did thousands of years ago. So he said these, these young believers in Christ, Young ones need that. They need to be shown love more than a lot more than, than others. Where if that's where they're at in, in their in their life and their spiritual growth process in the body of Christ, they need to be shown those things. They need to be told those things over and over to where they can get it in their mind and in their heart that I am forgiven of those things. And so it's not you know we've done a bad job a lot of times in our modern church of discipleship because we talk about discipleship we talked about it here and a lot of times it makes people like "Eh, i don't know you see people run the other way when you mention the word discipleship because it means that they've actually got to stand up and do something they've got to go do these things and not just sit they've got to be the ones to speak and it's not you know i kind of got told this last time that you know that's more for for y'all men no it's, it's not for men it's not just for men. It's for the whole body of Christ. And, and it's, you know, women just play big, just as big a part in the body of Christ in discipling other women and other people that, as men do. Because you women go through things that men don't go through mentally, emotionally, things in your life that I don't deal with. I don't want to deal with. No man wants to. No, I'm, most of you women don't want to deal with it, I'm sure. But y'all deal with things and y'all need to be the one helping other women. Leading other women. Not, not, well, you need to go talk to them because you're the pastor. You can go talk to them because you're a disciple of Christ just like I am. You're in the body of Christ as I am. You need to disciple them. You need to encourage them. Because I promise what I'm not going to do is, is, is disciple a woman one-on-one. That will not happen. And I, you know, encourage, discourage any man to do that or any woman to do that. Unless you and your husband or spouse or whatever are, are helping each other. Because it can lead to things that don't need to lead to. It has so many times. And, and so the devil can work through discipleship and we can get into the flesh just as much as we can at any other time. I mean, there's a story out right now that up in Indiana of a pastor that's pastored at this church for a long time. Nice big church. Come out last week and... and told of a sin of a girl when she was 16 years old, counseling her, got caught up in things. And they ended up, you know, sleeping together numerous times. And, and so, it's, of course, that's all over the media. You know, I can turn on whatever, and I, I think it was on Fox News, you know, because, you know, we got to push that agenda out there too. But if you go to church, look for a perfect church, then you're looking wrong. But that still should not happen. 
especially in a pastor's position. It does, and we know it does. And God still forgives them if they want to turn and walk away from it, but they still have earthly repercussions for those sins, just as we all do. But their sins are forgiven just like ours are. And, and Satan still tries to keep them in a state of guilt and shame for things in the past, just like he tries to do us. But encouragement, they're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. When we ask for forgiveness, our sins are forgiven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if what? What does that word say? Anyone, anyone is in Christ. He's a what? A new creature. A new creature. He's a new creation. Old, old things, those old things in our life are passed away. And everything in our life has become new. Everything. Everything in our life has become new. So anything that Satan wants to try to guilt you with or shame you with from whatever time, if you've asked forgiveness of that, if you've been washed in the blood of Christ and, and you're a new creation, none of those things can be held against you anymore. None of them. It doesn't matter what it is. They cannot be held against you. And Jesus, and I promise, He's not holding those things against you this morning. He's not doing that. He's not saying, well, you know, I would. I would bless you. But you did this, this, and this. He said, you know, we'll see what bad things happen next. He's not doing that. All good things come from the Father above. Every good and perfect thing. And, and so... They, they, they need to be discipled. We need to do a better job of discipling new believers. When they come into the body of Christ, it's, it's a lot of times it's where well, we set the prayer down at the altar and, man, we love you, praying for you, have a good day. And then, then, then what? Then what do we do? You know, I, I got um, convicted of this this week because, you know, we need to have a better set up here when people accept Christ, whether it's new reading material to hand out, better way to contact people that, that have just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whatever it is, we need to have a better way here. And I'm looking at that to have something for when people accept Jesus, not to just say, we'll be praying for you, and then go out the door and get beat up as soon as they walk out the door. We need to have a better way. We need to have a better way of doing things. And I'm not the only one that can do that, and I'm not the only one in this church that needs to be doing that. It's not just up to me as pastor just to go call everybody or talk to everybody or encourage everybody. That's on each and every one of you in here also because you're a part of this church and you're a part of the body of Christ. And if we need to edify each other, then that's not just coming from me. It needs to come from all of us. So... So we're, going, we're praying about this, about what to do, and you pray about it. And if it's something, hey, I would like to be on the ministry that, that helps with newborn believers and encourages them and talks to them, you know, sign me up. What, what can I do? Then you come talk to me, and I promise we'll find a place. Because there's, there's plenty of things in this church that people can do. All they got to do is ask. All they got to do is come talk to us. So, so we need to do a better job of that. Because we all know that those, those people are more likely to fall away than any others. They're more likely to slide back into their old way of living because they felt like they were alone still. They didn't know what to do or what, who to call or, or anything like that. And, and we need to do a better job of, of keeping those people in contact, in close, loving on them, showing them the love of Jesus as He did, and, and discipling those. Each and every one of us need to do a better job. So in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul 
is writing to them. He's writing to a whole group of people. A whole group. And I don't believe that's where we are today. I believe that the teaching that we've had the past 35 years here, it's not just he's, he's not had to talk to a bunch of babies. He, can, he could actually preach the meat of the Word of God. And a lot of us here understand what's going on. There's still those that don't understand each thing that's, that's being read out of the Bible, what it is, but we can, we can still get something out of everything that's been taught. Whether you understand Greek, Hebrew, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. We can get something out of the Word of God if we listen and pay attention and, and, and tune ourselves in to what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 1, it says, And our brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. So this group, this whole group collectively was at a a place to where they weren't able to understand deep in the Word of God. I don't believe that's where we are in here in this in this building today. There's people out there that are still there, but we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere. If you don't know where to start, Start in Matthew chapter 1 and read Jesus. And I promise you will get something out of each and every day. I promise. There's no, there's no way you can unless you just read right through and then just close the book. But we don't need to do that. We're not able to understand things. New believers are not. You know, he, he refers to little children twice in these few verses right here. And he says, he says, he says the same thing almost to the little children that he does to the father. He tells the fathers, look, I write to you because you have known him. He tells the little children that also, the young people, he says, I write to you little children because you have known the father. So there's no difference in that, whether you were just born again yesterday or you've been a, you've been a Christian for 70 years. He says, you're still at the same place where you know me. I'm in you, Right? That's what Jesus prayed, that God would be in us just as He was in Jesus, and we'd be in fellowship with each other. That's what He wants for us. So if you've said that, then you're, you're in, just like the ones that have... There's no, there's no certain amount of years that you've got to be in there. And say, I finally made it. You know, I can call myself a Christian. No, the moment you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can, you can say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. And so... This next group is the fathers, the older people, the ones that have known Jesus for years and years and have studied Him. But, you know, I will say that I don't believe there's an X many years that you've got to know Jesus or be saved to be a mature Christian. It doesn't say that in the Bible. What's the, because there's plenty, and I've fallen into this a time in my life, where I remember accepting Jesus at five years old in North Carolina. I remember that. But then I went through years to where I didn't study the Word of God. I didn't read the Word of God. And it wasn't just because I got saved at a young age. It's because I, I spent a time where I rebelled against that and didn't want to read it. Had no desire to read the Word of God. Had no desire to study. And so if, that was, if I was five years old and I'll be 43 in July, then that's... A long time ago. It's 38 years, right? So, if we're going to go by years, I should be, you know, just a saint in everything. I should be this, you know, 
whatever you want to say, mature to where nothing ever shakes me or bothers me or nothing ever brings me down, none of that kind of stuff, that don't happen. I can't say that this morning. And so there's no, there's no amount of years that we can put on that. It's those that know God intimately, personally, and, and have studied this Word and know the things to say, when to say it, and are not shaken. And those are the ones that are the mature people, the mature believers, like, it's, like, like God's called them to be. But there's too many in the body of Christ, and I warn against this. And, and we can get to that point. Like I said, I'm encouraging us this morning. Whatever state you're in, whatever place you're in, you know, you can, you can be a, a, a young person, a, a, a young teenager, or a father, and still have room to grow. There's nowhere where you cannot have any room to grow, but we've got to learn the Word of God and we've got to be in it and we've got to fully study what's, what's being said there. And so, verse 13, it says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known Him, that is, from the beginning. And he says the same thing in verse 14. Why, why would he say, you know, I, I thought of this all week. Why, why was he saying the same thing twice? These fathers, and I believe he's correlating this with a certain age because... This is not that long after Jesus had passed away. You know, John didn't live for hundreds of years after that. So all of these had once had probably seen Jesus, heard about Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, so they had known Him. They had known the Jesus that was on this earth. They would went through the death, burial, and the resurrection. All of them did. All of them heard about it. And most of them probably had spent a lot of time in their teachings back then from the Old Covenant, all that kind of stuff. So they knew that. But even as mature Christians, we still have to be reminded, hey, you've known God from the beginning. You've known Him for a long time. You need to act like that you're a mature Christian and not a child getting tossed to and fro from every whim and doctrine and everything that's going around. You need to be better. We all have opportunities to be better in our life. And that's one major area we need to start in is how, we, how people see us, how we walk and talk each day, how we do things each day to where people know that they're a child of God, that they're followers of Jesus, they're believers in Him. And no matter what's going on, they can still come back to the Word of God and they don't have to, they don't get caught up in the gossip. They don't get caught up in the naysayers. They don't get caught up in all this other stuff because they're focused on this right here. They're focused on God and His Word and knowing, and wanting to learn and know more about Him. So, you know, I was thinking, what, what makes a mature Christian? How do we know somebody where they're mature in their faith? It's not because I accepted, you know, I, I, you know, I accepted this, this role as pastor. That does not just automatically make me a mature Christian. It doesn't do that. But one, I think one way we can tell people that are, that are mature in their faith, when, when we see things in life that they go through, they're steadfast in those things. They're steadfast in their faith and their walk with God no matter what's going on. Because no matter what happens, you don't see them just fall off the wagon, just... just you know, get down in the dumps all the time, just live an emotional kind of life to where everything bothers them or this, that, and the other. And, and so I think, I think one, one product of being a mature Christian that we're going to see in others and we can look and, and see that is that what things go on in their life, they're steadfast in their faith. And they have a desire to disciple and teach others. 
they don't want to see the children, the, the young ones that have just made Jesus Lord of their life, fall back away from where they was at and go back where they was at. They don't want to see that. They want to constantly teach and constantly help people. And like I said earlier, it's not just the pastor's place to do that. It's all of us. All of us have a, have a role in that. And so, but we see those characteristics in their life. And so they're not easily shaken. They're not swayed for whatever else is going on. I'm striving to get there in my life. I let things, I threw a shoe across the house this morning. And it wasn't, I was, I was mad at a dog because he chewed a shoe up. And so, Ariana can tell you, I said, stupid dog. Does that mean I'm not a mature Christian? No, it means that I get aggravated at things. Just like everybody else does. And don't like things chewed up. <laughs> but I did. Was there any sense in it? No. No, there was not. Did I feel like that I was a big man after I'd done that? Oh, yeah. I was like, you really done something there, Marco. You really, you really done it. Yeah. So, so there's plenty of areas in my life that I've got to, I've got to show steadfastness, steadfastness in my faith. I've got to show those things in my life to where I don't act out when things happen, to where I can stay same, same kilter, same, same path that I know I'm supposed to be on, no matter what happens in my life, in my home, whatever it is. So, so yeah, I've still got a lot to do. A lot of things to work on. So those, these mature Christians, they have seen and experienced things in their life that others haven't. Why? Because they've been there. They've, they've seen those things and they've come out on the other side unscathed. They've come out and, and are better and stronger for what, for what they went through. And so if that's you this morning, you need to act that way first off. You need to show that you're that way. And you need to be leading and teaching others as, we, as, as the Bible commands us to do and do those things. So then the next, the last group is the young people. The young people. The teenagers in the house. Y'all awake this morning? You sure? All right. All right. You're awake. Up there in the sound. Y'all are all up. So I'm going to talk about y'all. I'm going to encourage y'all this morning, okay? I know y'all don't ever get seen to be talked about except bad because they're always on their phones. They're always doing this. They're social media. Everything's got to be selfie. I know it's all y'all here. But, and y'all do that. Y'all do that enough. But just because you're a teenager doesn't mean that you're spiritually a teenager. Adults are spiritually teenagers. Adults are spiritually adolescents to where we all know that teenagers, from having raised three of them now, and others are still raising them, and that they're rebellious, right? Every one of them's rebellious. They know everything. Everything. You can't tell them nothing because they don't do anything wrong. You're wrong. You're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and so, if we look, we can get to a point in our spiritual life where we're the same way. We don't want to listen to authority because we know everything already. We don't, we don't want to listen to the older ones. Ah, they're just old-fashioned. They don't know what they're talking about. That's not the way we do things now. The Word of God's changed from when they was at it, you know, from when they was growing up. It's changed. And so why do they still talk that way? Why do they still act that way? Maybe because they got some maturity about it. Maybe because they've been through a few things and can testify to those things and to those facts that you don't need to be doing some of the things you're doing even though you can justify and think they're right 
and, and think everything is okay because I'm covered under grace and I can do whatever I want to, no matter what it is, and God still loves me no matter what I'm doing wrong, and He does, but He don't want you doing those things. Because we've already read, if you truly love God, you wouldn't do the things that you're doing. You wouldn't keep going the same way you're going. You would change those ways in your life. And so, He says, He says, I write to you young men in verse, in verse 13 because you have overcome the wicked one. You've already overcome it. And in verse 14, He says again, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. We forget that we've overcome Him. Jesus overcame Him. We're still trying to fight everything off by ourselves every day and find every other substance we can put in our body, whether, whether we're dealing with anxiety, depression, anger, whatever it is. We're still trying to find those things to give us temporary relief when we know the only way that we can get true relief and over something is to go to the one that's already defeated him, and that was Jesus. And so when we figure out that we can go here and read and understand and fully get it in our mind, ingrained, embedded in our mind and our hearts, that Satan is a defeated foe. There's nothing he can do to us uh, except what we allow him to do to us. Nothing. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I've given you the authority to say these things in my name and preach in my name and say it and do in my name to where we don't have to worry about those things. He's overcome it already and we're still trying to fight. You know, because young, young people, what do they do? Young boys especially. They get... 14, 15, 18, 19 years old. They've been working out a little bit. And they think they can whoop anybody. Strong. Strong. I get them to say to me still, ah, you, can't, you can't hurt me. you got a hurt shoulder. What I tell you? I with a sling on and I'll still take him. Right? That's right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And sure, one day they'll be able to. But it's like I always had Peyton. I always wanted to make him. I, didn't, I told him when he was in school working out because he told me he worked out all the time. I said, I don't care. You can work out every day. Every day. Go in there and work out. Pump as much iron as you want to and you'll still need a, you will never be able to whoop me, I promise. I want to keep that mental block in his mind. I never want him to think that they got you. No. So I'm going to do you all the same way. Don't matter. And, and so, but... They always they, they, they think they can just run through anything, go over anything, do whatever. And we get to a point in our spiritual life and we need to be strong in the Lord, right? We need to have those things, and, but we need to do it in a way that's also wise, mindful of other things, and the way Jesus wants us to. Full of love and not just full of you know, energy and doing all these things to where we're doing it and we get into our own glory and own self. Right, we need to do it for His honor and His glory and nothing else. And so we need to listen to the older ones. We need to listen to those things and understand and learn from those other people that have been through those things. And hey, maybe I don't need to do that. Just as teenagers at home, we try to tell them something. Hey, been there. You don't need to do that. No, it's different this time. It's different. We're not doing that. We're not doing anything that's that bad. You know, it doesn't matter. And And so... We, we get that way in our physical and spiritual life if we don't watch it. But we always know that we have overcome the wicked one. He's given us all that power and authority. All of it. I want to read verses 15 through 17 real quick. Just spend a little bit on it. We can, we can dive off into another area and 
you know, get get deep in this discussion until we all know these three verses in John, First John chapter two, verse fifteen. He says, "Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world." And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So we don't love, we, we, can, we can get to this point in our life where we don't love the things of the world when we realize who we are in Christ Jesus first and foremost. When we realize that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we are, old things have passed away and all things have become new, then these, these lusts of the flesh, lusts of the eyes and pride of life, and we, we, we hear the word lust, and it's automatically in our mind because of the world we live in, it's automatically a sexual thing. And a lot of times it is. We deal with those things in our life. But it's anything because we, this, happened, this started back in the beginning. This started back in the Garden of Eden. When, when Satan enticed Eve with lust, right? The lust of what? The lust of being a God. The lust of being just like God. How? By disobeying God to begin with, which doesn't make any sense, but we fall into that. We fall into those things in our life. And he's, you know, we, he said, if you'll just eat of that fruit, if you'll just eat of it, you'll be okay. You'll be just like God. And we all know the end result of that is that Eve did, Adam did, and, and then, they, then, then sin entered the world. And so he, he, messed, he tried to tempt the first Adam and the second Adam the same, didn't he? With the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Jesus in, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. What did he do? He tempted him with food to feed his flesh. And, and Jesus, we know, went up there as, as filled with the Holy Spirit, as, as, the, as Matthew tells us. And he said, he said, just say, you know, God, God will save you if you'll just jump off. If you'll just jump off here, he'll send his angels to save you. And what did Jesus say? Just back with word, because he knew who he was. He said, you cannot tempt, you said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. The Bible tells us plainly, he said, don't tempt the Lord your God. And then all the, all the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All the riches of the world. Everything. We look around and you see it all the time. Prices of everything is three times as much as it was, seemed like a year ago. And but people still buying and getting because we gotta have. We gotta get. We gotta have these things in our life. We gotta we gotta have more. We want more. And sure, I see things that I want all the time. If I don't watch it, I'll get into a lust part of it where the pride of life gets me. Well, I I'm working this much, I make this much an hour, I can afford it. I can do these things. But and he, and Satan told Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours if you just bow down to me. All of them. All of them. So Satan spent and, and knew what he was doing. He's not dumb. Satan's not dumb. Even though he's acted dumb. Even though he's done, done things and, and you wonder why, why he done it. But it's all because of these three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. But we can overcome these things because he, done, he just got through telling them, you have overcome the wicked one. You've overcome him. So don't let these things come into your life. Don't let his schemes try to work and try to, you know, misdirect your life because you want to fill some void in your life this morning. And, and so I hope and pray, no matter where you are in your Christian life, that you were some kind of encouraged this morning because wherever you at, wherever you are right now, and whatever stage you're in, there's victory through the blood of Jesus. And no matter what stage you're in in your life, whether you've just accepted Jesus or you've been a Christian for years, we've always got to be reminded and encouraged and remember that we've overcome the wicked one. We've overcome him in our life. So we don't need to let those things pull us down or weigh us down. Just look to him. Look to him this morning. 
and each and every day that comes along. Amen. So y'all stand this morning. Y'all stand and we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. I do want to say again, as I say every week, if you're here this morning and Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you're watching this morning, if they hadn't stopped it already, then if Jesus is not Lord of your life, then today is a day of salvation. Tomorrow, not next week. If, if you're at a place in your life to where you've went away and, and you can't say that you're in right relationship with Jesus, then today is the day for that. No other. No other. I mean, there's tomorrow, but it's not promised to us. We don't know what tomorrow is bringing. But he said today is the day of salvation. So if that's you this morning, and, and you want to do and, and pray that prayer, then we would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you and, and believe God that you confess your sins. He's faithful and just forgive you of those things and cleanse you from everything you've done wrong, all unrighteousness. All of it this morning. So any other need this morning, we would love to pray with you. So y'all, y'all come on this morning. We'll, we'll believe God together.